good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Let's all stand. Excited to have you guys. We have a great night in store. We got Ryan and Sarah Delmore with us. We got Pastor Ed bringing the word. And we're going to open by the reading of Psalm 94. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have settled in silence. If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Let's stop there and pray. Father, I know that we have so many things that we bring in through these doors tonight, God. We know that you have us in your hands, and we are grateful for that. And so tonight... We pray that you would be in this place, that your spirit would fall upon our hearts, Lord, that you would lead us through this time of worship, through the study of your word, and that we would all be drawn closer to you and freed by the power of your spirit tonight, Lord. We thank you for this night. We thank you for everything that you're doing in this church and in our lives, God, and we give you all the glory. And all the God's believers are greeted by saying, amen. Why don't you guys turn around and say hello, and then we will worship. Father, all praise to Christ. 
rise the sun all praise to the holy spirit our god has overcome the king who was and is and evermore will be in jesus mighty name i believe and no i'll never be ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ how could I ever walk away from the one who saved my life? And though I'll never be ashamed of the ones who love my life, how could I ever walk away from the one who saved my life? All praise. All praise to God the Father. All praise to Christ the Son. All praise to the Holy Spirit, our God has overcome the King who was and is and evermore will be. Join the mighty chorus with 
which the morning stars began. Father, love is raining o'er us. Brother, love binds man to man. Ever singing, march we onward. Victors in the midst of strife. Joyful music leads us somewhere. The triumph song of
Your glory. 
run it over Give me love, give me joy, give me peace Fill my cup, Lord, run it over I am your child in need I am your child in need I've been walking through, I've been walking through the darkness. I've been walking through the valleys. I'm tired and I am lonely. But I keep walking to a city I cannot see. I fill my cup, Lord, run it over. Give me love. Joy, give me peace. Fill my cup, Lord. Run it over. I am your child in me. I am your child in me. Cup, Lord, run it over. Put our hands together. Come on. Give me love. Give me joy. Give me peace. Fill my cup. Fill my cup, Lord. Run it over. Oh, I am your child in me. I am your child. Oh, fill my cup, Lord. Run it over. Give me love. Give me joy. Give me Fill my cup, Lord, run it over. I am your child in me. I am your child in me. That's our prayer. Fill our cup, Lord. Fill it tonight, we pray. Let's welcome Ryan and Sarah Delmore. Forever you are faithful 
so faithful and so true for a miracle I'm asking and it can only come from you cause you're my father and for
if your will's for me to suffer give me grace to suffer well let my sickness bring you glory come and teach me when I'm still cause you're my father and forever you will hold me in your love you're my comfort and my In my weakness, you are strong. You are strong. Yeah, you are strong. bless you all. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. This weekend, they are celebrating their 29th wedding anniversary with us. That is pretty awesome. Thanks for being here, guys. Let's take a look at this week's announcements, everybody. Hey, Rami. Game night's coming up, right? Yep. You think it's going to be fun? Oh, it's going to be the best.
Mommy. Hello. Hello. You good? He's stuck in the montage. Every Sunday night in February, come to game night. Uh, winter camp's coming up for the youth group. Winter? I love winter. Yeah, it's March 8th to the 10th. The 10th? My cousin's birthday is on the 10th. Cost is 225 225 That's a lot of money. I think it'll be worth it. There's horses. For sure. Horses! Mm -hmm. I love horses. I was on a field trip one time and I got to ride a horse and we took a picture and my hair looked pretty good. I think there's breakfast too. Breakfast? Most important meal of the day. I love breakfast. I think there's uh, archery too. Archery? I've never tried archery, but that sounds really fun. Well, if you're into all these things, come to winter camp. Oh, trust me. I'll be there. March 8th to the 10th. Yep, the 10th. 225. 225. That's my favorite time of the day. That's the amount of money, but okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to go to winter camp, you can sign up. Okay. <laughs> well, it's good to see you guys tonight. Just a reminder, if you are new here, we have open communion set up throughout the sanctuary, and we invite you to partake of that any time during the service. And also, if you want to support the ministry here, we do have offering boxes located in the sanctuary at the back and also in the foyer. Uh, before Pastor Ed brings the word tonight, let's stop and have a moment of prayer. Father God, we thank you for the word, for the fruit that it brings, Lord God, for the truth that it conveys and how it draws us close to your heart and helps to make us more like you. So tonight, give Pastor Ed the words directly from you to speak upon our hearts, Lord. And may we leave differently than we came in here tonight, Lord God. I know that you have a word for every heart in this room, for every situation, every circumstance, every season. And I pray that the, that word will be met tonight by the power of your name, Father. So we thank you, Lord, for the grace that met us this morning. We thank you that it covers us, that it makes us anew, afresh. And we just love your name. We pray. And all of God's believers agreed by saying, amen. Thanks, Jonathan. That was a good job. If you wouldn't mind standing with me, please. We're in Acts chapter 11, actually, but we'll start back a few verses in Acts 10, 43. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him, Jesus, will receive remission or removal of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that Gentiles had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended, they argued with him, saying, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. Oh no. But Peter explained it to them 
in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me, and when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice say to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord. That, that's a problem. Not or no, Lord, in the same sentence. Not so, Lord. For nothing common is unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again, From heaven, what God has cleansed, you must not call it common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been seen, excuse me, sent to me from Caesarea. And then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. That's Cornelius. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa, call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will, let, who will tell you words by which you and your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us in the beginning. And then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could withhold or withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent. And they glorified God, saying that God has granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, help us to understand these events that happened so long ago, but how it was such an important turning point in the world. Speak to us, teach us now, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed by saying, Amen. You may be seated, please. On this day in history, January 27th, 1943, the U.S. Air Force began to bomb Germany. This is a picture, some of you know, that Pastor Greg and I went to Israel a few days back. And this is in the kibbutz that was overrun by Hamas terrorists. Man in the blue jacket is the president or the head of the kibbutz. It had about 200 people in it, 60 of whom were murdered and raped. And um, we're there at the request of the Israeli government. You'll notice that these are all pastors. There's Pastor Greg. And we have flak jackets on and metal helmets on our head because the place was only less than a quarter mile from Gaza, and the rockets were going over our head. This group of uh, Israeli soldiers returning from Gaza in American-made 
Jeeps, or you recognize them as Hummers. And that's a, I, I took that shot so you could get a feel of the almost park-like sense that kibbutzes are. They're all very beautiful, but this one you'll notice all the windows are shot out because this one was overrun. So, in the middle of 1975, Raylan and I were studying in Europe, and part of our studies were to visit the Auschwitz Nazi concentration camp in southern Poland. That visit marked us both, Raylan and I, because of the photographs and the various pieces of clothing, the piles of shoes, the human hair of the Jews that were murdered there. Man's inhumanity to man, you could say. But when Pastor Greg and I went to Israel to offer encouragement to these, to our brothers and sisters, really, in the church there, uh, I felt the same feelings that I felt many years ago in Auschwitz. There was this unbelievable sense of evil there. It was... Uh, I took a, a, a couple of other pictures just to give you a feel. That picture on a poster in the ground is a picture of a father who was killed on that spot. He was trying to protect his wife and three daughters, and he was running towards that building in the upper left-hand corner to try and get back his assault weapon that they had put there so the children wouldn't get into live ammunition and all that sort of stuff. But Hamas had come a week earlier posing as newsmen and interviewed all the people there and asked them about weapons and where they stored them and everything. So when the kibbutz was overrun, his weapon was 100 feet from his house while Hamas was trying to kill his children he ran out with a pistol in his hand and only made it that far. There's a picture of his children's bicycles still sitting in the spot where they last rode them on October 7th. Last picture is a uh, picture of the town, a large square in the center of Tel Aviv, the largest city in Israel. And that table that's set up with empty spaces are 146 places. And it says, until they all come home on each chair. In other words, those are seats set for the hostages that are still in Gaza. And the first one, you can just see the edge of the plate, is for baby Herda, a little seven-month-old girl who was captured by Hamas, who was still in Gaza, and her toys. So I, I didn't mean to uh, commandeer this Bible study, but it had been long enough since Greg and I went there, I, I felt like I owed the church at least a, a feeling for what happened there and 
And that Greg and I became, Pastor Greg and I became eyewitnesses. And uh, so no one could ever say it was all made up. I walked into the bomb shelters and blood still splattered the walls. And uh, we went to several other places. And it was very difficult, but it, it gave me a much clearer picture than what we've been seeing in the news and the Palestinian, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas riots and strange things that are very difficult to understand once you've been there. So we are looking at this section of Acts. Let me switch gears with you. And um, it is uh, the story or the capture of the historic moment when the church began to move from just speaking to Jewish people to witnessing and presenting the gospel to Gentiles. And it happened in a strange way. And uh, the illustration that the Holy Spirit uses is food, different kinds of strange food. Because part of the whole hang-up of Jews bringing the gospel to Gentiles or making them feel welcome is that sitting down to eat at a meal with with someone was a very intimate concept in the Middle East, still is to this day. If someone invites you into their home to have a meal with you, they're saying, uh, you're welcome in, your, in our home, and we considered you a friend. And so um, we watched as Peter, who was uh, in Joppa, which was a port on the southern end, almost to Gaza, uh, a harbor, And Joppa was the place that Jonah had left from hundreds of years earlier in the Old Testament. But it was there that the story we just read took place where God gave him a vision. And part of it was food, and and then he was to go to the north, to Caesarea, uh, about 30 miles north, and to visit this Gentile house a line officer uh, in the Roman army. So the concept of food is very heavily described here. So let me go on a little joint gender, or excuse me, a a little trip to describe what must have been going through these Jews' minds. So having traveled quite a a bit myself, um, I've seen... uh, People eat stuff in places that most of us probably wouldn't even consider. Simple things that we have garden snails here, right? But most of you know that in France they're a delicacy and they call them escargot. In uh, China, a popular delicacy is live shrimp swimming around in a bowl and you catch them (laughs) with your chopsticks and bite their head off and then enjoy the rest of it if you can. In the, in the Philippines, the favorite delicacy is a, a, a almost hatched chicken egg uh, called balu, and they uh, eat it uh, raw. 
In Sardinia, Italy, uh, I watched them make maggot cheese. They take a giant cheese round out and put a cheese uh, cloth over it and leave it in the sunshine and let flies set all their eggs in it. And then a few days later, when the maggots start to come out, they'll take it and, 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 and use it for spread on bread, like butter. Did you eat dinner? Your stomach upset? Sorry. Uh, in England, blood pudding uh, requires three quarts of pork blood and Switzerland blood, blood sausage. In Scotland, pausodi, which is the head, yes, just the head of a sheep head. Uh, whales, uh, they eat a lot of crow pie. Now, I've eaten a lot of crow in my life, but not that way. <laughs> Uh, but the crows we have flying, flying around here look very much like the ones in, in England. In the Netherlands, you can have salted horse meat sandwich with peanut butter sauce on your french fries. That's just not right. Um, in the Netherlands, uh, they eat that like we would eat french fries. Um, what we feel when we think about those kind of meals, the reason I'm using those as an illustration, must have been the way that the Jews felt about Peter going in and eating a meal with Gentiles. Because if Gentiles are eating the kind of things I was just describing 2,000 year, years later, imagine, just imagine what they were eating when Peter was there. So, as we've seen, uh, this is much more than just about food. It really is about salvation. In Acts 10 and 11, we read of this pivotal event in the life of the church, really. It's a new day that breaks as uh, the events surrounding Gentiles hearing the good news preached for the first time. And last time we studied, Peter had traveled to Caesarea and that was a port also just north of where he had been in the seat of the Roman government in, in Israel. God had been working with a man named Cornelius, who was a Roman army officer. And he was a centurion. He was over 100 men. And he, at the same time, God was working in Peter's life about how he needed to broaden his view. Because Peter was a Yes, a bigot. He was racially prejudiced against anyone who wasn't a Jew. We have the inverse going on in the world today, but that's the history. That's really the way it is. So at Cornelius' house, he and his entire family and some of his friends come into this relationship with Jesus Christ because Peter had gone in obedience and preached just like he would normally to a Gentile. Now, I remind you again, I said it last week, but in their mind, in the world, there were only two classifications of people. You were either a, of the lineage of Abraham and Isaac, you were a Jew, or you were a non-Jew, you were a Gentile. And there was nothing in between. And so this is the racial prejudice that God is breaking through. Uh, and this conflict is going to go on, and we'll see it through the next couple of weeks in the church 
what to do with these Gentiles who had gotten saved. So it breaks up into three parts. These Gentiles saved, 43 through 48, and then the Jewish legalism in the first three verses of 11, and then Peter's defense, 4 through 18. That's where we're going. Verse 43. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, Jesus, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. This is a, the last line of Peter's sermon. This sentence, you might say, released the Holy Spirit. So it must have something really important in it. Of course, we can see that. Whoever believes in Jesus, whoever trusts him, whoever clings to what he did on the cross, to that person, they will receive remission or removal of their sins because Jesus has taken on the penalty due for each and every person. We look ahead and notice in Acts eleven fifteen, he said, and as they begin to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as at the beginning upon us. So Peter was just getting started. He said, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell. So what he said that was so important was this simple phrase that we understand well because we talk about it much. The key to salvation, to eternity, is belief. It's trust. It's not in performance. It's not Religious performance is not how often you go to church or how often you pray or read your Bible or give money. or It has nothing to do with those religious acts. It is clearly a statement of trusting, believing in Jesus Christ, his sacrifice being sufficient. <coughs> it has something else built into it. Whoever believes, that should sound familiar to us. Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. Sounds very much what Jesus said in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, <coughs> excuse me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe, whosoever believes in him will receive. Who's a whosoever? <laughs> You're a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. Any person in any country with any racial background, <coughs> excuse me, is a whosoever. I thought I had water, but I don't see it. Oh, bless you. And... He, he gave, yeah, I'll fall off right next to you. We can both lay on the ground together. Thank you. Mm. A fresh one. What are you saying about his? <laughs> you didn't spit in this, did you? Oh, okay. <laughs> We're friends. So. <clears throat> Let's try that again. The gospel and the sentence. For God so loved the world, you know it, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe 
would have everlasting life. 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They spoke with the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues. It's just one of many gifts. When we get to 1 Corinthians 12, Paul will tell us that not all speak in tongues, not all are apostles, not all are prophets, not all are teachers. So the, the Holy Spirit's gift of tongues is not given to everyone. Let me read it. Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No, the answer to all those things. But covet earnestly the best gifts. So desire that God would give you that gift if you don't have it, but also be satisfied with the gifts that God has given you. You may not know what they are. You find a list of gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Ask God to show you what gifts you have. <coughs> Excuse me, and he will. Verse 47. Can anyone forbid water? Thank you, you already answered that. That these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Would you turn this up just a little bit, Richard? <coughs> no, I think I'm pushing too hard. Okay, thank you. Peter means that since these Gentiles have become saved, we need to go ahead and baptize them. It's important to see that because many believers today are hung up on the idea that baptism brings salvation. It does not. But we are asked by God to submit to water baptism. If you never have, you should do it. But water baptism doesn't save you. Belief in Jesus' death on the cross for your sins is what triggers salvation. We are commanded to be baptized, so we all should do it. Verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So he uh, spends some time up at this uh, Cornelius's house with Gentiles. But there's a controversy that's stirring in Jerusalem. Apostles, there's still 11 more of them in Jerusalem. Peter's up there by himself. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea, the southern part of Israel, heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So work among the Gentiles in Caesarea would not be a small thing. There was no desire to hide it, even though many believers would initially be confused by it, who had a Israeli, a Jewish background. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended. Contended here means criticized him. Those who kept the law of Moses, that's what he, Luke, Dr. Luke means by saying those of the circumcision. Although all the other believers up to this point were technically of the circumcision, 
they were all Jewish. This is probably referring to the group that later still continued to cling to this idea that a person needed to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses to be saved. So it's not a small thing that's happening here, but I want you to see that it's a wonderful picture of the grace of God. Saying, you went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter, Peter, what were you thinking? These Jewish believers were outraged with such a blatant breach of Jewish custom. They couldn't even begin to conceive that Jesus could be equally Lord of Gentile believers. <laughs> Sounds funny today, doesn't it? But that's where they were. The charges against Peter are simple. You, who are supposed to be a faithful Jew, an apostle of Jesus, you associated and even ate with Gentiles. And we scratch our head and wonder today where we are 2,000 years later. In Luke 5.27, Jesus found the tax collector Levi, who would later be called Matthew. And um, Levi was sitting in a tax office outside of, um, of the city, and he left all and rose up and followed him when Jesus said, follow me. But then Levi decided to give a party, and he invited all of his friends. And, and since he was a heathen dog up to this time, Levi or Matthew, the people he invited were all tax collectors or, or prostitutes. And the scribes and Pharisees saw it, and they went in, and verse 30 they complained to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That phrase still gets me to this day. God came to call sinners not righteous people. There's a word full, world full of people who need to hear about Jesus. We need to go and tell them that the good news is that God came for sinners. Peter explained it to them, verse 4, in order from the beginning. So his account... It sounds very much like what we read in Acts 10 because he's going to tell them exactly how it happened. Now, there's, there's a point there, important, that the Holy Spirit thinks this one event is so important that it's mentioned three different times. God has emphasized this, the importance of this through repetition, right? Verse 5, I was in the city of Joppa praying, Peter said, and, and so he's giving his defense to the apostles and all the other Jewish believers in Jerusalem. I was in this city of Joppa praying in the trance. I saw a vision, an object descending as a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. So we, we think of a, a huge ship sail 
coming down. And it's overflowing with all sorts of animals. Verse 6, I observed it intently and considered, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, kosher and non-kosher animals together, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. This is shocking to Peter. But the next words are, are even more shocking. I heard a voice say to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Lunchtime, Peter. Bacon burgers are on the grill. But Peter said, not so, Lord. I love that. Peter, you can't say no and Lord in the same sentence. He is master. He is ruler. Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. Now, we didn't know that about Peter up until this time. We just knew he was... uh, one of the disciples, one of the apostles, and he followed Jesus. Really, had no idea that he was such an observant Jew. And he observed kosher food. In fact, he could say, I've never, ever had anything that wasn't kosher. But the voice answered me again from heaven, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And all of a sudden, it's starting to dawn on Peter that he, that The Lord is not talking about food. He's talking about something else. God has said, literally, what God has declared clean. You can't call common. You can't call it unpure. You can't call it unholy, unacceptable to God. I remind you that at the time, Jews were afraid to touch anyone who was sick because they thought that would bring whatever disease it was onto them. And and Jesus flabbergasted them when he went out to lepers. Instead of them saying unclean and and running away, Jesus walked up to him and touched him because God cleanses. That's what Peter is hearing. Just the touch of God cleanses. The holy was made common when it came into contact with something common, they thought, and could only be made holy again through a a ritual cleansing, a bathing. But God is saying just the opposite. Now, this was done three times so he wouldn't miss it, and all were drawn up again into heaven. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Three times. Jesus asked him, if Peter loved him along the Sea of Galilee. Again, God is trying to break through Peter's mind. And at that very moment, verse 11, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. There's that number three again. And then the Holy Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing more over these six brethren. And he points to six Jewish believers who lived in Joppa, who were evidently friends of Simon the Tanner, you'll remember the, the leather worker who was there, the, where Simon Peter was staying, they came with him. Peter did something either very brilliant there or just listened to God, and God said, take these men with you, because they're going to be witnesses of what really happened up in Caesarea. And we entered this man's house. And he told us, verse 13, how he had seen an angel standing 
at, in his house, who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Now, for some reason, Peter never mentions Cornelius' name. Uh, he's just a man, or simply he. Per perhaps it's still a little bit of the old wineskins clinging to Peter. Whatever the reason, uh, Paul will call on him a few years later that when Peter came to Antioch, he was doing fine with Gentile Christians, but as soon as the Jewish believers came, Peter wouldn't eat with them any longer. And, and so there may be something still hasn't been worked out in Peter's mind yet. We need to guard our own selves against hypocrisies. The famous actor Robert Redford was uh, walking one day through a hotel lobby and a woman saw him and followed him into the elevator and said, are, are you the real Robert Redford? With great excitement, she said. And this, the doors of the elevator closed. He replied, only when I'm alone. <laughs> I like that. Being honest. Verse 14. Who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. The angel is, is telling Peter that, and Peter's recounting it here now to those who are in Jerusalem. And I begin to speak. The Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning, back in chapter 2 of Acts on Pentecost, you remember. Peter doesn't even give an account of what he spoke to them he rests his defense not on what he said, but on what God did. And then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, verse 16, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall baptize with the Holy Spirit. As Peter is standing in front of these Gentiles, and they're speaking in tongues and glorifying God, and he remembers that that's what Jesus said would happen. That's what John the Baptist said would happen that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, when we believed, there's that word again, believed, on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Now, notice the word gift. If therefore God gave the same gift the word is charis. It is the word for grace. This is God giving grace to the Gentiles, Peter says. We've all experienced that who are believers here. We know what God's grace is about. None of us deserved it, but he gave it to us anyway. And that's what Peter is saying. God gave them the same grace as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could withstand? Why would I dare go against God? doesn't make any reason. There's no reason for it. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Verse 18. They heard these things. They became silent. And they again glorified God. Saying, 
then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. <coughs> Excuse me. Golly, I'm so sorry. Are we teachable? Do we have God in the box? Sometimes God has to knock the ends of the box out and help us to see bigger things. <coughs> I was reading missionary stories this week, and I read about some Norwegian missionaries who decided to go to Iceland way, way back, 1721. Um, and uh, Greenland, it was called Iceland, then we know it as Greenland, to bring the gospel to the Inuit people, the indigenous people that were there. The missionaries decided that the those who were there, those indigenous people, the gospel was too complicated, they said, for them to understand. They reasoned, quote, these people are in such darkness that it cannot be, <coughs> cannot be of any use to preach. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me try that again after a drink. These people are in such darkness that it cannot be of any use to preach Jesus Christ to them at first. They don't even know that there is a God. So let us begin by teaching them the nature of deity. And they begin to give all the theological background to these Indians who, of course, did not understand at all. It was a big mistake. It went on for almost 10 years without a single convert. But then one day, one of the missionaries happened to read of an unschooled, was reading to an unschooled Greenlander the story of Jesus in this sermon that we were discovering. In fact, verse 43 of chapter 10. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. The man who couldn't read stopped him and said, Excuse me, would you please read that to me again? And he read it again. He said, what, what, what wonderful words. Whoever believes, does that mean that Jesus died for us here in Greenland too? That if we believe, we may receive forgiveness of sins? And the missionary answered that that was true. And he clapped his hands. The man, the uneducated man, cried out, why did you not tell us that first? <laughs> well, he needed to hear just what we read, that whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. I apologize again for my coughing. I thought it was over all this. Um, but I pray that God has spoken to you anyway. Would you stand, please, and we'll pray together. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. We thank you that you came and made a way so that we might go with you back to heaven and remain with you for eternity. Most of us in this room have experienced that, Lord, and are so thankful for it. 
But we pray for anyone here this evening who has not been walking with you and ask that you would give them the grace to surrender to you now and to ask, ask you for forgiveness of sins. Christians, please pray. So I wonder if there's someone here this evening, maybe you are here visiting for the first time, but you're trying to work through this concept of you know you're a sinner. I don't have to tell you that. Nobody has to tell you. You know that. But all you must do is believe that Jesus died in your place. If you're in that position tonight and you'd like that opportunity to trust in him, we'll give it to you. We won't do anything to embarrass you. But if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you're ready to put your trust in Jesus, will you let me know that by looking up at me and raising your hand? I, I won't do anything to embarrass you. And, but God bless you. Yes, young lady. Is there anyone else God is speaking to in the very back? God bless you. Anyone else God is speaking to? Right. Well, would the two of you please pray out loud with the rest of us? We're going to ask God to forgive our sins, and he will do it right where you're standing. So everybody, please say together, Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. For those of you who raised your hands, if you would like to have someone pray with you, if you go over these double doors, some of our elders are there. We'd love to give you Bible, pray for you. If anybody else needs prayer, that's the place to go. To the rest, God bless you. Give somebody a hug before you go home. Good night.